The older children can go back to their classes now. How's everybody? All right. Some of you are alive and awake. Coffee kicking in. Good. My name's David Crow, and uh, again, I'm just uh, standing in for Tony Walls today. And we're going to start today a little differently and uh, start out with a little video and then. Uh, We'll take a look and see what you think about it. Go ahead and roll that. How feel you? Cold, sir. Afraid, are you? No, sir. See through you? We can. Be mindful of your feelings. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Mm. Afraid to lose her, I think. Mm? What does that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. All right, so some of you may have seen that. Some of you may never want to see that. In the actual movie form, that's a great debate. But let's think about the wisdom of Yoda here. What about things like fear and anger, specifically anger or even love? What's good? What's bad? Let's think about a couple of things to test Yoda's wisdom out here. If a person loves his work so much that he's a stranger to his family, is that good, bad? What about if a person loves to get all the attention, so much so that he takes the credit for your work? Good or bad love? What about in the book of 1 John where Jesus talks, or, you know, the Bible talks about how if you love the world, it makes you unable to love the Father? Hmm. Well, let's, let's look at the other side of that. What about angry people? who caused lawmakers to make tough laws on drunk driving because their own children have died. Good or bad anger? What about an angry person who fought against the false teaching that Christians can buy their way out of hell? He actually brought back the understanding of God's grace to the church. That was a real person named Martin Luther. And the first group I forgot to mention was a group called Mothers Against Drunk Driving. So what about angry people who ended slavery declaring this is not right? Good or bad anger? Well, that was done by the Quakers and William Wilberforce. So is love always good? Is anger always bad? Well, I think it seems necessary sometimes to maybe think about what defines love. What are we talking about when we say love? What defines anger when we talk about anger? So, how do those things bring about good and bad results? So, today we're going to focus on just one of those. We'll talk about kind of a hard subject. We're going to talk about anger. We've been studying a lot about God's nature and the fruit of the Spirit 
if you've been here listening to us. And uh, in that, we're beginning to see how God's nature and His order of things is the basis for all true right and wrong. Although anger is not listed in the fruit of the Spirit, it is part of His nature that you can see sometimes in the Bible. So what do we do with this? This can be a really uncomfortable thing to to think about or talk about sometimes. Well, again, let's start. If God's nature is the basis for true right and wrong, let's look at some scriptures for that. Uh, In 1 Peter 1.15, it says, But just as he who has called you is holy, so you, so be holy in all that you do. So in other words, the morally right way for us to live is based on the holiness of God. So next, Deuteronomy 10.17 says, The Lord your God is more powerful than all other gods and lords. and His tremendous power is to be feared. His decisions are always fair. And they cannot, you cannot bribe him or change his mind. As a result of who he is here, we are commanded to do justice in scriptures like Micah 6.8. Another example, in 1 John 4.8, anyone who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. So because he is love, that's why it's right for us to love. You can look at another example of this. It's uh, in 1 John 5, 6. The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. As a result, we are commanded, don't tell lies about others in Exodus 20. The the wrongness of lying is based on the fact that He is the truth. Alright, so we'll look at one more verse here. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why is this important? Because God's nature never changes. Thanks. We'll try to switch over here. Sorry for the technical difficulties. So again, God's nature never changes. Why is that good? Well, if you're talking about right and wrong, it's a great thing because it's a sure basis to always know what right and wrong is. He doesn't change. And that's very different from the right and wrong that sometimes we make from our own opinions or even the laws that we make as people. All right, so let's look at one more thing here. In 2 Peter 3.9, yes, the name of this sermon I've, I've titled God in the Dark Side? Question mark. We'll see about that. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, 2 Peter 3.9. In fact, God is patient because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. Why do I bring this up here? Because as we talk about God's anchor, don't forget the main parts of God's nature, such as patience, kindness, faithfulness, all the things we've been talking about in the fruit of the Spirit, those things are always working before, during, and after his anger. God is all of who he is. Some people have this image in mind of God as just the angry God who always loves to throw down lightning bolts and squash whoever he can. 
That's not what the scripture shows. All right, so keep in mind. Uh, By the way, I speak to you today about anger not as one who has it all together. I am not a counselor. I've done plenty of things that I regret in my life. And I still have many more things to work on in this area by the grace of God. I chose this topic because I want to know who God really is. And not just a false God that I make up in my head. I want to look at the scriptures and see who he really is. Also today, I'll, I'm just letting you know I'll be drawing some ideas from a really great book uh, by a guy named Gary Chapman. If you, you may know him from writing The Five Love Languages, if you've read that. This is a book called The Other Side of Love, and I really highly recommend that you check this out afterwards if you want more information on this subject. Uh, so I'll start uh, the next part here with a quote from him in that book. He says, Anger is at the very heart of who we are. Tell me what you're angry about, and I'll tell you what is important to you. And it really stuck with me. So as let's look at anger a little bit more. Uh, anger is always a reaction to people or events. No one plans anger on a calendar. On Monday the 5th at 7 o'clock, I will be angry with my family. I don't know if you do that. I don't tend to. It's kind of strange. Anger is a reaction. So what causes God to be angry, and how could his, ever, how could his anger ever be good? Well, let's talk about that. First, we'll look at God-based anger. This kind of anger is first based on his holiness. What does that mean? It's anger against evil and injustice. We've already heard how God is holy, but what does that mean? It's simple math, for those of you who love math. It's, he's 100% pure, 0% evil. He is constantly perfect, and there's no in-between. That's the holiness of God. Evil is never winked at or swept under the rug. Evil to him is a defiance against the truth that represents who God is to people. So to him, it's his enemy. In Romans 1.18, for example, uh, it says, From heaven, God shows how angry he is with all the wicked and evil things that sinful people do to crush the truth. Again, evil distorts the picture of who God was, is and who he wants us to see. So there's only one solution to this problem, to God. Stop evil and bring justice to the evildoer. When God sees sin, his anger is aroused to do this. His wrath ends when the solution is reached. The problem is that death is the requirement for the payment of sin. If you look at Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, first, God-based anger is based on his holiness, but next, we can move on, and it's, we can see God's anger is also based on his love. That may seem strange, but look at, look at this a little further. 
God-based anger is based on his love. Anger here is against separation from his loved ones. That's us. God tries to protect those who he's created. And thankfully, because God is love, he places that affection on us, regardless of anything we do. Uh, For example, if you uh, look at Luke 6, 35, I know I'm kind of going through fast through some of these scriptures. Uh, we're a little short on time. Uh, it says, but love your enemies and be good to them. Lend without expecting to be paid back. And then you'll get a great reward and you will be true children of God in heaven. He is good even to people who are unthankful and cruel. Why did I pull this scripture out? It sounds like something that we're commanded to do, not necessarily about God. Well, look, what makes us children of God in heaven, acting like him. The first part of this scripture, love your enemies. Lend without expecting to get anything returned. He's good to unthankful and cruel people. This is the way God is. And when we think about this, God seeks to save us even from his own anger, even though our sins have rightfully made us his enemies. As we can see in this verse, loving those who don't deserve it is normal for God. That's, that's a thought you could think on for a long time. His love seeks to restore the relationship between us and him, even though we're his enemy to his holiness. And even though he might not get a positive response when he tries to bring us to him, he still tries. So when he sees evil in the ones he loves, the most loving thing he can do is to call us to repent. That means turn from evil. Why? Because evil, no matter how pretty it is or how enjoyable it is, evil will always separate the ones he loves from him and will always destroy as well. So again, God gets angry at the attack on his holiness and he loses the closeness with his loved ones, us. So what does God do to reconcile all this? What does he do with his anger? Well, God's anger against evil is satisfied, of course, as we know, through Christ taking our just punishment. We deserved it, but God sent himself and his son to take that punishment for us. God's anger against separation is taken care of because holiness and therefore the closeness is restored in people when they confess their sins and believe in Jesus Christ's work and his payment for our sin. And of course, eternal separation from God happens if people don't confess and don't believe. So God's taken some pretty big steps to help deal with the problem that arises here. So, I want us to see again, though, why is God's anger moving? He's moving against the injustice of our sin, and he allows Christ's death. He also does many things besides this in Scripture. God sends warnings for us when he is angry to repent through things like disasters, war, famine, disease. He sent word through his prophets, through pastors, through his people, the church. 
Countless examples are here. So, what's the point of all this again? God's anger can be used to wake up his loved ones to the snare of evil. Just like the quote I said from Gary Chapman earlier, tell me what you're angry about, and that will show what's important to you. Guess what? The very presence of God's anger here shows how important his holiness is and how important protecting us is. So it's a little different way to look at his anger. I'll give you another example. Um, my uh, wonderful parents have uh, invited in the past a school group. I'm a, I have been a teacher and invited them out to be on Norris Lake and to go out on a pontoon boat and just have some fun. And uh, I remember one time when uh, there's a pretty good number of us on this big pontoon boat riding along, beautiful sunny day, and all of a sudden the boat starts doing this. And water, for some reason, is coming up onto the boat. And I'm just standing there like a deer in the headlights. What's going on? And uh, from behind me I hear this, Get to the back of the boat! Well, thankfully, my wonderful mom, who's usually a very wonderful, quiet, and loving person, she had the wherewithal to (laughs) have something click here and to get some of the people to move to the back of the boat so the weight wouldn't be uh, in the wrong place. And her, her anger in that moment woke us up to what we needed to do to save us all so we wouldn't all be at the bottom of Norris Lake, not enjoying the beautiful day. So, again, God's anger is to save the ones he loves and to wake us up to sometimes the things we need to wake up to. So let's look at some of the purposes we as Christians can use anger for in regards to what we've seen about who God is with his anger. So we can move to the next part here. Um, Use God-based anger for motivation to face evil and injustice. This may be, of course, helping people overcome sin as you help them become disciples and followers of Christ. It could be things like fighting for the rights of the oppressed, fighting for the poor, fighting for the foreigners at your work. It may be, in whatever capacity, fighting for courts that are fair and consistent to everyone. It may be standing against corrupt leadership. All these things are addressed in the Bible. There are many things. So if we look at Micah 6, 8, we can see the scripture says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. So again, we are called to be angry and do something about the things that God can be angry about, and he does something about. Uh, The next point, I forgot, and I left this out on the slide, so I'll just say it here. Another use for God-based anger is to motivate us to restore relationships between ourselves and others and between us and God. Sometimes sometimes we might have that need that extra umption for anger to move us out and confront the wrongs done to us with the people we love 
Now, lovingly, we confront them, but this may be the thing that says, hey, there's a problem, and we got to do something about this instead of just letting it go on and go on and go on. So we restore closeness and remove those barriers sometimes. Um, for time's sake, I'll just kind of tell you the next story here in Esther 7, 7 through 10. You can write it down, read it later if you want, but many of you know the story of Esther. Why am I talking about this? Well, as you know, Esther and her people were meant to be destroyed by Haman and his plot. And King Xerxes uh, was told about this. And Esther was used to save her people. But, but how did this happen? Did God plan to save his people? Well, according to Mordecai's words in this story... Yeah, she was made for such a time as this, if you've heard that phrase. So why do I bring this up? What's interesting to know, if you read through this story, how what happened when the king was informed about this? He became what? Angry. What did he do? Not only did he hang Haman, he also gave the Jews the right to be defended even though he had already, before that, had a law to where they could be destroyed. I'm just simply pointing out the fact that here he and God, through using this king, was defending his people, protecting the ones he loved, even through anger sometimes. So let's go to another point here. Um, And the next point here, I actually wrote it incorrectly, but uh, I'll just say it. There are some interesting things that the Scripture shows us about how we can affect God's anger. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but we can affect His anger sometimes. How? Our Christ-like presence and influence can actually keep God's judgment from our city and country. Let's look at an example in Genesis 18, 20-32. Here again, I'm going to kind of go through this a little quicker, but you guys can read the story later if you want. This is about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham was talking to God as he was going to this place. And uh, he, was, he was talking to him and he said, Lord, are you going to destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? You know, how is that right? What if there are 50 good people in this city? Are you going to destroy it and those 50 good people too? And God says, no, I won't if there are 50. And he Abraham continues to talk to him and works him down, works him down to, he says, God, will you destroy this even if there are just ten righteous people here? And, and, of course, God says, I won't destroy it even if there are that many. What if you were one of the ten that Abraham prayed for God to see in that city? What if I was? Don't ever think it's a small thing of the influence you can have in your life and what God looks for, because it's a big thing. If you had been one of these ten, the city could have been saved. So sometimes we might cause a city to be spared God's judgment and his anger. Let's look at a related uh, passage for this. Another thing we can do to affect God's anger is through prayer, 
We can help turn away God's anger and bring mercy. If we look at Ezekiel 22, 30-31, it says, I looked for someone. Notice that. I looked for someone. This is God speaking. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me and stand in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with fiery anger and bring down on their heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. God's holiness does demand a punishment for sin, and sometimes God will hold a nation to account for the sins that they have done. But notice, what was the first thing God did? He looked for someone to stand in the gap. Are we standing in the gap for our nation? Are we praying? Are we trying to help others to grow close to him and to stay God's judgment and anger? That's our place. That's part of what we can do. It's not because we can manipulate God, but God has set up the power of prayer to be used in us. So don't forget what you have and what I have inside. All right, so let's let's move on now. We've talked about God-based anger. Let's talk about a different kind of anger that may not be so good. The next kind of anger I like to call self-based anger. This is based on us not getting what we want. Not that any of that has ever happened to you guys, but I know it has to me. In James 4, verses 1 through 3, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God, and when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you can spend what you have on your own pleasures. There's quite a bit of problems that can be caused from loving yourself too much. Same for me. So how does this tie into anger? Well, We are all made in God's image, right? So because of that, we experience anger over injustice and fairness when it's not there. However, in self-based anger, the anger is not actually based on a moral wrong that has been committed against you or I. It's only based on, again, not getting what we want. In God-based or self-based anger, for both of these, we can feel anger the same way. The feeling of anger is very real. But in our fallen nature, we take the anger that God, God meant to please His holiness, and instead we base our anger on pleasing ourselves. So there was one time when uh, I was at the kitchen in my house, you know, at the table, and my Wonderful little girl, six years old. She uh, spilled something and just went all over the place and got all my notes and stuff wet that were on the table. And if you don't know me, my entire life hangs together because of the notes on my table reminding me of all of the things I have to do. If I didn't have those, I would probably, you know, I couldn't get anything done. So what was my reaction there? Well, sadly, I was angry at her. 
Why? Did she do something intentional to me? Was she trying to hurt me? Was she trying to destroy something I had? No, it was an accident. I was angry because it was inconvenient to me. I was going to have to clean up the mess. I was going to have to rethink all the notes and rewrite the information, whatever. But again, is that legitimate? I had to stop and think, you know what? I was thinking about who? Just thinking about old me. As a pastor of mine once said, I was always on my mind. That may be fun for a while, but it can cause a lot of problems when you live with other people. I'm sure none of you have ever done this, but when I'm driving in my car, I can tend to uh, yell for some reason at the person in front of me who dares to add five seconds to my drive time by not moving when the, the light changes to green. How dare they? Such a personal attack on me, right? You know, here again. I should have been the one who left, er- left for work a little earlier, so I wouldn't have had to be so concerned about being somewhere on time. Again, my anger was self-based. It was about me. So, moving on. Anger is not always sinful, and that's something that maybe we've had confused messages about in the church. Anger is not always sinful. What we do because of our anger will either be a good or sinful thing. Again, what we do because of our anger will either be a good or sinful thing. In Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. So if your anger leads you to, say, bitterness, well, bitterness is a sin, not necessarily the anger that caused it. Uh, in Hebrews twelve fifteen, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So, again, it could lead to sin. So, how can we process our anger in a way that produces good things like justice or reconciled relationships? Here again, uh, I'll pull out a few good things that meant a lot to me from uh, Gary Chapman and what he says. First, we can actually say and accept the fact that we're angry. It may sound a little basic, but I found sometimes when I get angry, you know, it helps me to just say it out loud. This is really frustrating because, or I'm frustrated at this. Because, again, if we don't acknowledge that, sometimes we just keep it under and it just simmers and fumes until it boils over. So admit that you're angry. Another thing you can do next is restrain your immediate anger response. Unless, of course, it's needed in an emergency to save your loved ones from a sinking boat. But restrain your immediate response. That's hard to do. But there is that moment when you decide, I'm going to go this way or that way. It's also a good time to pray. Proverbs 29.11 says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. It's hard. 
It takes time. It takes practice and the grace of God. But this is what we aim for. Next, we can find the focus of the anger. Let's look at Genesis 4, verses 4 through 7 real quick. Again, this is the story of Cain and Abel. You're probably familiar with it. Uh, Abel gave a pleasing sacrifice of an animal, and Cain did not, because he did not sacrifice an animal like God said. So then we'll skip down to verse 6. It says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Some interesting things that happen here. First, God wanted Cain to find the focus of his anger and realize, hey, you're angry, you need to deal with this. But there's an interesting thing here too. Why was Cain angry? Did God do something wrong to him? No. Actually, Cain did Cain wronged God. He disobeyed God by not giving the correct sacrifice, but he was angry at God. Why? Because he had a perceived wrong. And boy, that can get us all in trouble a lot of times. We perceive that we have been wronged by someone else when really that's not the case. So because of that, he felt rejected by God. So when we try to look at the focus of our anger, let's be honest and think about it. It may be an event of a background or a background of events from your past, maybe that's happened many times and has piled up and now is just a mountain ready to just avalanche down. Was it something your spouse or boss said? Maybe the way something was said. Tone can be something that can can affect things a lot of times. Does your boss or your spouse's behavior remind you of someone else's behavior? Someone else that made you angry. Sometimes that can trigger things. Some things from our childhood that come back and kind of stick with us, they can make us angry too. As I mentioned earlier, think about was something intentional or not? Like my little girl, she didn't intentionally hurt me. How serious is the offense, really? And last, of course, here, think about is something God-based on a moral wrong? Or is it self-based on just not getting what I want? Here's a a couple of things you can think about when you think, is this self-based or not? Think about honestly asking, am I not getting what I want? Or was I actually wronged? And number two, am I really considering the other person's needs and the other person's preferences? If you're honest, this can help. And be careful once again about perceived wrongs. So last, try to find constructive things to help you get through this. Constructive options. Uh, I'm going to have to skip ahead for some time here, but... Um, there's a verse you can see next from Hosea chapter 2. We won't have time to read it, but Hosea is such a great book. Israel was so unfaithful to God in so many ways, worshiping other gods, full of sin. But it amazes me how, like in this scripture here, how does God approach these guys? God comes back and says, 
that he will be a husband to them, not just a master. And they will be his bride. Why do I bring that out? Because again, God has the right to be so angry here. But it's important to him to still restore the relationship. He approaches this whole situation with Israel still as, I will make you my bride. I will be your groom. So when we deal with anger with each other, how can we, how can we be Christ-like? Think about it this way. God could have been content just to be right. He could have held it over their heads forever, and he would have been right to do so. He could have been easily doing that. In our anger, though, will we be like Christ and seek to reunite a relationship? Or will we be content to just be right? So two things that can help us here for actions. Here's specific actions we can take. One, we can overlook a wrong and release it to God. God's, God knows the whole situation. He knows the thoughts. He knows all of you. He can work this out. Sometimes it's better to overlook. This allows you not to be an emotional captive. You can forgive and go on. Uh, Proverbs 19.11, we can look at for this. A person's wisdom yields patience, and it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. You don't have to respond every time in anger just because someone is insulting you. Uh, sometimes, for example, if, you know, if your friend loan, you know, borrows money from you and they don't pay it back for a long time, maybe you just let it go and don't demand it because maybe keeping the friendship is a little, little, a little more important than getting that money right now. Just an example. Uh, we'll skip ahead. Another action that we can take is to lovingly confront the person. This is hard, but it's so good and necessary. Say things like, can we talk? I feel this way whenever this happens. Can you help me understand what's going on a little better? This is a good example of how to set the tone right, because again, the tone you set like this helps you avoid putting up walls of anger that are defensive from the other person. And it gives the other person a chance to explain and to give all the facts because we don't always have that. I'll give you a quick example. My, uh, I've worked in the shipping business for a long time, and one of my managers was real angry at me one time because he had asked me to go and retape some busted boxes uh, in a certain area, and so I did. So I went down started retaping, and another worker said, hey, I've got some busted packages over here inside the truck. Can you come get these so I don't have to bring them out? So I went over there. That made sense. It would save him a lot of work. And then the manager came by later, saw what I was doing, got angry, and just said, just go over here and go somewhere else. I was doing what he asked me to. If he had taken a moment to ask and I could explain, he wouldn't have had a reason to be angry at me. But he assumed I was just goofing off and just talking to somebody. So again, get the facts. It may not always be the situation you think it is. 
so next, again, if there's a moral wrong, try to seek repentance from the other person and be ready to give forgiveness. Goodness knows how many times have you and I been forgiven of our sins, right? That's a good place to start. Think about how we have wronged God and how many times he's forgiven us before you go talk to somebody else about an issue with them. If there are just opposing preferences, not moral wrongs, talk to the person and maybe work out a compromise. Maybe even sacrifice. Because you know that's kind of what love does sometimes, even though it's hard. Bless and don't curse the people that you're angry with. That manager I was telling you about made me angry plenty of times. And I had to say, the Lord convicted me. I had to say many times, Lord, just bless him. Lord, bless him. No strings attached. No strings attached. Lord, just bless him. And it helped me to release my anger with him. Uh, I'll speak very shortly here. Recognize there are two kinds of anger. Explosive anger. It's very clear. It's in your face. It can even lead to things like physical and verbal abuse. Be aware of those things and don't be afraid to get help. Be aware of implosive anger. The anger that stays way down deep inside. It's like a house that's on top of waters underneath. And eventually that water erodes the foundation. And what happens? The house house collapses. That's implosive anger that's held inside. And it's just as dangerous. It can lead to things like depression, suicide, violence, many terrible things. So all anger, whether outside or inside, is something you need to deal with. And guess what? If you take your car to the mechanic, is that a shameful thing? No. It means you care about your car. So, so don't be afraid if you need to maybe go to talk to a friend or a pastor or a counselor and try to get some help. There's no shame in that. We're all in this together. We're all sinners, and we all need help to walk in this and do the right thing. Keeping up appearances only pushes away struggling people from God's grace and the church. A couple of things for children in anger. If a child senses that you love them, it's probably going to be a lot easier for them to follow your rules and requests without rebelling. Parents, listen. If a child feels understood, they will respect your decisions more even if they don't agree with them. And don't expect children to have the same maturity level in dealing with anger any more than, especially the adult, who may not have much maturity. Don't expect more from them than yourselves. And again, I know that's hard. I want to say two seconds about anger with God. I could talk for this for a long time. We don't have time, so don't worry. I won't. But I want to refer you to the last time I spoke here. If you're interested, look at the sermon I did on the purpose of pain. Many people get angry at God. Why didn't he stop this evil thing from happening? Well, he could eliminate all evil and by eliminating all of us. But I hope he doesn't. God will judge everything eventually. But 
There are other things he tries to do in the meantime, like giving us a chance to repent. A lot more is said about that in the other sermon. I hope you can check that out if you need some good help going to sleep sometime. Um, last side note, if you're talking to an angry person, don't try to set them straight right away. Listen, 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 listen. Ask questions. Understand them first. Then maybe they'll be ready to hear what you have to say. So, let God-based anger lead you to do good, and let God help you overcome self-based anger or perceived wrongs. Anger does not have to lead you to the dark side. Thank you.